Welcome to Michael. Welcome, welcome to you, Michael. Welcome to you, Roger, to the and Normal so, Friends podcast. And if anyone is listening to it, welcome to them as well. That seems unlikely that anyone is listening to it. But hey, but in, we can hope. Let's hope cover let's let's cover our bases. Yes. Yeah. So if, uh, if so so we welcome them generally. Should we guess at the names of the people listening and welcome each of them individually? Yeah, we should. Um number one uh Hel- Helga. Welcome Helga. Uh uh Suzanne Fritzen. Welcome. Oh, we're we're doing last names too? I think so, so it feels more personal. Okay. Welcome to Otis Dorf Dorf Dorf. Welcome to Chaz Olivson. I think that that covers most of our bases. I think I think that's pretty much everyone. Welcome to this episode of Normal Friends. I have to prepare you. So, you know, we, when we first saw this episode was coming up, I was um expecting it to be well, a lot of fun, I'll just say it, penis jokes. Um Of course. I whenever you see an episode called The Planet Splitter, you think, "Oh, you know, a penis so large that it could split a planet in half." And Literally, I, I don't see how... how that title could have meant anything else. No, I would. I was going to have a lot of, um, you know, fun with that. What we had instead, in my opinion, it is the most insane episode of this show. Now that is, uh, that is quite a statement. I know this is an insane show. It is a. It is. Uh, it is. It is packed with continuity errors. Uh, by the second episode, the voice actors ran out of voices, and uh, everything starts to blend together. And um, it's there's a lot that's insane with this show. Yeah. But I submit that this episode is the most insane yet, and I, I suppose I'll make my case. Uh, yeah, I, throughout this episode, and I will say. Dick jokes aside, the title The Planet Splitter makes it seem like this might be the highest stakes episode yet. But as it turns out, it is by far the lowest staked episode. There is almost no real danger at all in this episode. Indeed. Well, let's get into it. Michael, if you would like to give the briefest of overviews of... What happens? Sure. So we start out at the County Museum of Art. Uh, We never learn what county, mind you. The 200-some-odd-carat Star of Persia diamond is on display, but all of a sudden a red beam envelops it. It disappears for a moment, and it seems to come back, and everyone seems okay with this, but... The Troublert, which seems to know better, goes off as though the world is going to explode and alerts the Super Friends of what has happened. They go to check it out. Superman points out that it is, in fact, a fake now. And that starts off uh, uh, an adventure involving diamond theft that we find out is... These diamonds are going to be used by... Dr. LeBond and his assistant, Wilbur, to power this beam that's going to split the planet Cygnus Uno in half so they can take half of it and exploit its resources because we are running out. Uh, They don't explain why they need to only take half of it instead of the whole thing, but, you know, that's their plan. And then Wendy Marvin and Wonder Dog end up on his spaceship where they spend like a good, I don't know, third of the episode just telling him about Superman's origin in a way that seems like it would very much give away Superman's secret identity. And then 
They also try to plead with him not to go through with his plan, but it all ends up not mattering because it was never going to work, and it was all just a ploy for Wilbur, who seemed nice, to steal the diamonds that uh, they had already stolen. They stop him. Everyone fat shames Wonder Dog. The end. That is well the sort of basic overview of this, yes. as you said, insane episode of television. Well put. Now, I would like to start where, uh, as we all know, is the best place to start, is the shaft. <laughs> so this, uh, of course, you know, it, it's it's always fun to make jokes about penises. Always. You know, because they're, what are they? You know, we, we can't, science doesn't know. And, uh, they're very, they're very silly, but, you know, there's a, there's an extent to where, you know, you can be an adult and continue to laugh at them. Uh, I, in in the beginning of this episode, there's a series of shaft references that (laughs) I am, I am so, I want to, to know so badly if that is simply how people talked back then, or if it was an intentional reference or joke about a penis shaft. Because as Michael says, they start noticing diamonds being enveloped in light and uh, being swapped out with inferior cubic zirconia, and they refer to it as a shaft of light. But it seems to be everyone does it in the span of a 30 second time span. Everyone's talking about a shaft of light. Do you think that was intentional? Do you think that the writers do, do people talk about a shaft of light or is it just in, in our day that we have started calling the part of the penis, the shaft? So, I mean, people did use to, I mean, people still say shaft of light from time to time. I've never heard that. You've never heard Shaft of Light? I have heard it. No. I also... Yeah, I mean, I think I think even in the 70s, they called the Shaft of the Penis the Shaft of the Penis, because I don't... I, I don't know what else you would call it. I've never... I mean, the... Tube? The primary the tube? tube? The, the, the subhead cylinder? I'm not sure. The... Ch- the channel, the, the <laughs> I don't know. Well, but so I, I essentially, do, I'm a, this. I do have the thought that maybe, given enough time, all words will eventually be used to refer to the penis. I think. I think that is the nature of language. That eventually, everything means penis. Yeah. And really, if you think about it, I mean, oh, it's a sedan. Oh, that's a penis. Oh, it's a taquito. Oh, that's a penis. This is already happening in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, it's good. Not fast enough. It's good to know that I am a um, that I, I am a sicko, but also everyone else is. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, they are this shaft of light is pulling up. Uh, diamonds. They say we need to investigate. The other, another thing to point out is they uh, at the beginning of this when the the troubler goes off, and I don't know who invented the trouble, who built the troubler, but to the Justice League, there is no higher authority than this computer. No, uh, this this supercomputer. Is the is their god? It tells them what to do, and they do it because they go and they go. They go check it out, and the person says, "Oh well, troubler might be wrong." And I I think they had an, an emotional an, uh, response when they said, "The troubler is never wrong," and yeah. you are an idiot. How dare now, you? Now in this situation, the divine authority of the troubler. Yeah, in this situation, they they were correct. I feel like the troubler may have been wrong before, but I um I can't remember an instance. Yeah. Well, and I feel like 
certainly the degree to which the treble alert was going off wasn't correct. So this is the Justice League. They are the most powerful beings known to humanity at this point. And the Trub Alert puts them on the trail of some diamond thefts. That seems that seems well below their pay grade in terms of the types of things the Justice League should be involved in. Especially yeah, I mean- because it turns out it really is only just diamond theft. The, the the planet splitter thing is essentially a red herring. That was never going to work. Yeah. As we find uh, out it, later. The question the question becomes how much does the trouble alert know? And if it is just alerting them to diamond theft, then are they just is it just alerting them to any petty crime that local law enforcement is capable of addressing yeah i so here's what i think now that we're talking about this i think the trouble alert uh like a classic sci-fi ai wants complete order and is trying to create some kind of police state where no crime Mm. of any kind exists where there is no no freedom of thought or action and anytime anyone steps out of line it wants to uh, uh, dispatch eliminate super them. friends to yeah. eliminate them. Yeah. They are essentially a troubler Gestapo. Yeah. That, that is very clearly what appears to be happening. Uh, either way. So um, they defend the troubler. The, uh, they decide they need to figure out who's stealing these diamonds. And so they, uh, they stake out different areas. One of which... The one of the the first truly insane parts of this is uh, there's a diamond at the circus, and uh, yes. Superman decides, "Hey, uh, I'm going to go to this circus, and I'm I'm going to bring Wendy Marvin and Wonder Dog with me to the circus because they're yes. children. Certainly, they certainly they will enjoy it." He brings them to the circus, and uh, he goes, "Hey, kids, why don't you go on some rides while I?" take care of this diamond heist that we know is going to happen. Uh, there is an attempt at the diamond. He, I think he's tricked, right? Like he goes yes. after the wrong thing. But yes, but before we, before we get to that, I just want to point out a couple of things. One, Colonel Wilcox in his uh, career free fall is now just telling the justice league about diamond thefts. Yeah, he he started out. I don't know. He seemed like he was maybe one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, or maybe even the Secretary of Defense. Like he was a high-ranking military official, and now he is just telling the Justice League about how diamonds are disappearing, jewel theft. That feels he's got to be getting close to rock bottom here. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, who knows whose fault it is? Maybe he made friends with the wrong people. Maybe he made some powerful enemies. Maybe his own job performance is just in a nosedive. But, you know, we need to be uh, cautious of of his mental state because he can't be good. Yeah, and I think it's possible... Because he and the Trouble Alert kind of serve the same function, right? They they tell the Super Friends about something that's going on. I think Trouble Alert might be sabotaging Wilcox to get him out of the way. Maybe. Maybe Wilcox is uh, the only one that is, you know, he's the presence in the government that the Trouble Alert has to get out of the way. And so far, it's succeeding in that. Yeah. You know, he... Usually what happens is the trouble alert goes off and shortly after Colonel Wilcox calls about the same thing. So he's obsolete, but the question is what what intentions does the trouble alert have from him? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I it bears watching, to say the least. So I I think that's a great point. They are at the circus and these yeah. These uh, children are going on rides at the circus. 
Superman goes on his p- pursuit uh, for someone stealing diamonds. In that process, as everyone ha- saw, uh, uh, elephants get released and go on a yes. uh, rampage. And in that rampage, they free a gorilla who then goes, walks, and plays a a ball toss game. Yeah. Uh, Marvin believes that this is not a gorilla. It's a man in a fur coat. Uh, and he, he then wins this ball toss game and wins what's known as a QP doll. And, uh, yes. QP is an old comic strip, I guess, about a baby. And it's just a, a particular baby doll. Uh, and, and he has won that QP doll, uh, and then gone on to, I, we can only assume is have a va- violent rampage yeah. that no one, that nobody is concerned about. Well, that's like the elephant stampede seemed like it was going to matter. Like, Oh yes. no, there's this huge elephant. Th- these elephants are running wild. And that now a gorilla is free and essentially nothing comes of it. No, this episode uh, is this full was... of things that end up not mattering at all. This was in completely inconsequential. And then, so after after that, yeah, Superman just leaves them there. Do you think he knows that there's a gorilla on a rampage when he leaves them there? I think I think that is why he leaves them there. <laughs> I think it's like, well, maybe this gorilla will solve our Wendy and Martin will free problem. us. Yeah. And because he can't really claim culpability there. It wasn't me. I didn't do anything. It was this gorilla. With, it's a freak accident. It, it, it's the sort of thing that just happens and you can never predict. But alas, his his plan was foiled because nothing, there was nothing no problems. Happens. So the next thing is they map out. So, all right, uh, I'll get into this now. What... The overall thing, you know, we've talked about in this in this series, does it have a political leaning? Because some episodes are very racist or sexist, and they lean towards, you know, the uh, Republican, you know, this this sort of thing of, oh, you know, no one really needs any help or assistance. You can do everything by yourself. If you don't do that, it's lazy and laziness is a, is not a virtue. And, um, you know, you should be punished yeah. for that. But at the same time, every episode seems to be about us depleting our national resources and, yes. uh, us, you know, being more cognizant and, uh, about the world around us. So it's, it's very bizarre place where exists, it exists between these, these two you know, ways of thought. Now, again, this is the seventies. I don't know what it was like back then, but currently there's kind of this mix. What I've noticed is the, the most important thing to the justice league is protecting the assets of wealthy people. Yes. This, this, this comes before, you know, pretty much, pretty much any point. Now, Again, as Michael said, we we learned that any kind of altruistic intention for stealing diamonds was pretend. But at this point in the episode, they're solely concerned with protecting the diamonds that are in the possession of just wealthy people. One person is yeah. on a yacht in the middle of the ocean, and Aquaman says, I'm going to go out there and help be the private police for this wealthy person and protect their diamond from from being taken. And then later on, Wendy and Marvin go on a huge rant about you shouldn't take things that aren't yours, even if they're diamonds from the ground that a rich person has hurt a lot of people to just have that has a fake yeah. value. Yeah, because I got to think, there's like a 100% chance these are all blood diamonds. Yeah. These are not ethically sourced, almost certainly. I, I mean, and really, even an ethically sourced diamond has fake value assigned to it. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It is. It is. It's an, it is merely an asset 
for wealthy people to exist yeah. in a problematic, damaging world. Yeah, this is this is this is the world that De Beers Diamond Cartel wants, where yeah. where the most powerful people are just acting to protect diamonds. Yeah. And they do. So the the entire Justice League splits up to find uh to find these diamonds and they use uh, a micro dot to detect, you know, find find the true um it, well, basically there's different beams of light. Some beams are decoys. Yeah. Excuse me, shafts of light. Shafts. Uh dicks of light, if you will. Dicks of, yeah, there's several penises of light, and some of them are decoys, and so they need the micro dots to determine which ones are which. And they do. Yeah. It's at this point also that Robin, I think for the first time for any of the Super Friends, notices that Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog aren't there. <laughs> and well, voices any kind of concern about that. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, uh, but Superman, you know, he, I think it was code, uh, when he says, don't worry, they're at the circus, uh, riding rides. Yeah. And what he was meaning to say is, I've taken, I've taken care of the situation. We shouldn't be hearing from them again. With any luck, they are being ripped to shreds they, by a gorilla. Yeah, they're by... Tra if, if they're not trampled to death by gorillas, by uh, elephants, then there is an ape that will tear them apart. Exactly. Unfortunately, this isn't the case. Uh, another thing, and this is around the same time that this happened, Robin tells a joke that Batman seemingly thinks is the funniest thing he's ever heard in his entire life. Oh, yes. That which was... Is, um... Let's see. I think this is a, that's a little later when they go back to Egypt because for some reason they're in Egypt, come all the way back to the Hall of the Justice League, and then go back to Egypt. But yeah, he makes a like a, a camel air conditioning joke that they laugh at. He for says way too long. I'll t I'll tell you. He says, "I guess we should have gotten air controlled camels, air air cooled camels." The idea being that, you know, there are air-cooled cars or buildings, yeah. and this this could apply to camels. And Batman simply thought this was the most hysterical thing he's ever heard in his entire life. They laugh yeah. at it for a long time. And it's a, a bummer. It is. It, it, it is funny, too, because, you know, one of the things that we learned Dr. LeBon uh, it, it raves about is the us depleting our national our uh, global resources yeah and in this in this episode batman drives he, he goes from somewhere in the united states to egypt several times which yeah. is like it makes me think <laughs> that they are some of the prime culprits yeah i think if the super friends just leave this alone we have another 500 years worth of resources right there. Yeah. So it sounds like, all right, so let's, let's explain Dr. Laban. I mean, we, we don't need to explain because if you're listening to this, you watched it, but Laban has a plan and that involves a planet. He has found this planet that has, a, I don't know if it's in its core or just over it, Lots of resources that we sorely need. And, you know, in, in that sense, we learn that he is uh, not, Dr. LeBon is not technically one of the insane evil ones. He's just trying his best. Although he goes on a rant, which makes me think that this is a, you know, he's a vengeance thing. But, you know, he, he technically speaking, is, is trying to help the planet. Yeah. With bad science, though. Yeah. So, Wendy and Marvin, through a series of confusions, find themselves on his flying saucer. 
that uh, in the galley of a flying saucer yes. where um, Wonder, Wonder Dog is eating food. And they, they are discovered. The first instance of Wonder Dog fat shaming. Yeah. Um, so they're discovered. They're furious at the fact that he's taking diamonds. And he explains, look, I'm just doing it because I need these diamonds to help power this ray. It's going to going to split this planet in half. We're going to bring this, this uh, other half closer to Earth so it's orbiting. We can mine some stuff from there. And Wendy and Marvin are um, appalled because they say, well, Superman wouldn't like that because you're destroying a planet. Which I don't think it's not so yeah. much that Superman is upset at the idea of a planet being destroyed. It's how Krypton was destroyed. Yeah. And so if this is a planet that no one is inhabiting and has resources and, you know, I I, I don't think they'd be that uh, ticked off. And and later on, they say that, um, of course, Wendy yeah. says, oh, well, you, you have to let them know that you're about to do this. And he says, no, I don't want to do that, which I can't blame him. Yeah. I mean, he's afraid for his life, probably. Yeah, he he just stole diamonds, which means that there, Superman's gonna cut his head off. He's gonna laser his head off, as he is known he's, to he's do. He's gonna cut his head off because you know he can't let that kind of thing slide. No, he's gotta he's gotta make an example out of him. Zero tolerance. If if that were merely the only thing that that would make this. The, the the merely the only motivation or uh you know drive behind this that this would already be an insane episode but we later learn that all of this <laughs> i'm jumping around because it's so insane his assistant and i think life partner wilbur presents himself yeah. as a huge superman fan and a voice yeah. of reason against Dr. LeBon. At the very last second, Correct. this is completely flipped. It turns out this has all been an act. Wilbur has been falsifying laboratory results to make him think that this is a viable option. And, in fact, the going through with this plan will destroy the Earth. And he did all of this so that he could steal diamonds. Those, the same diamonds. Yeah. Which it seems like what he could have done was just steal Laban's red shaft machine and steal those diamonds himself without having to go through all of this. This is the most convoluted plan for just stealing diamonds I think I've ever heard. Because, because because you also have to factor in that for this plan to work, the earth will be destroyed. He He's yeah. stealing diamonds to enjoy for the 30 minutes until the the earth completely falls out of orbit. And there's massive fires yeah. and avalanches. He's just going to enjoy these diamonds until this calamity that he caused happens. Yeah. The, what's he going to do with them? Just like look at them until lava engulfs him or something? I, I wonder if he is, you know, we've talked about who is truly the worst villain in, in this season or, or you know, in this show. And I know we've said that the guy who was it, Doctor Spoof, Doctor Biff, the guy who wanted to erase all of Dr. history, Baffles. Baffles. Baffle, uh, he is yeah. close. I think Wilbur might be up there with Doctor Baffle in that he he was willing to sacrifice all of humanity. I, I think Wilbur knows the plan is never going to work, so I think. That makes him just basically a diamond thief. But the question is, what does never going to work mean? Because does this, does Wilbur think that 
oh, this isn't going to actually work and he won't be able to split a planet in half? Or does he know that doing this plan will cause the destruction of the Earth? That really is the thing. Does he does he think it's all hooey and pretend? Or does he realize that he is causing the apocalypse? No, I think I think it's all to, for him. It's all who we and pretend because we learn at the end that he was faking all the data anyway. He knows it's all bullshit, uh, which also shows that Doctor Laban should not have ever received whatever his doctorate is because he's a dumb scientist. He should have been able to see that the the data didn't make sense. This is also why I wonder if he viewed Wilbur as his partner. And by that, I mean live partner rather than a assistant. He kept referring to him as as his assistant, but he wasn't like a, a cowering, like, Oh, I am your assistant. You know, whenever we establish that someone is a lower ranking assistant, their voices usually go up like this or they're dumb. They're blah, 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 blah. This guy yeah. had the same demeanor as the doctor, which made me think that they were just a couple. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think that he had pulled this romantic con on Dr. Laban, which is a sure. much better uh, episode name. The romantic con of Dr. Laban. And he, he I think he trusted Wilbur implicitly in a you yeah know, they I had be they had been intimate um they were they were trying to build a life together and he dr laban trusted him implicitly that that's what i think it was the case because you're right if he was simply just a assistant dr laban would go better check these numbers again yeah and i think it's probably maybe it's like in the early stages of their relationship where they're trying extra hard mm. to make sure they don't like like they're really trying to avoid any sort of fights at this point. So they're letting things go that if they had been together for 10, 20 years, they wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. They're not quite comfortable enough with each other yet to really be so, honest with to each question other. them or to call them out. Yeah, they're in that weird area. I, th- to me that's the only that's the only thing that explains this because yeah. otherwise it's 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 just true insanity. It is. Going back to, you know, them being on the flying saucer and Wendy, you know, Wendy saying if Superman's your idol, then you'd better not break up a planet. Then, you know, go. I think this script was like 10 or 20 pages too short because in the middle of it, we just get Superman's full origin story. It, it, they, they completely change gears. And decide to just tell, yeah, to tell the the story of Kal-El. From a writing perspective, even though it doesn't fit, I would say this chunk of the episode is the strongest and least insane. (laughs) It makes me wonder, did, was, was the intent just to tell the origin story of superman and they needed something to cram it into i think it's the other way around i think they they had this idea for an episode and they realized one it didn't really make sense and two it was coming in super short let's throw in this this origin story to to eat up some room because also at the end we get a preview for the next week's episode that I think was also meant to eat up time. I think this sh- mm. this episode was just extra short, so they needed to shoehorn stuff in. Maybe so. I think yeah. I, I think you might be right. They they had th- this might be one of those episodes where they just had extra ideas. I'm sure they had circus rampage, flying saucer, diamond heist, and you know planet resources. And none of them were their own episodes. And so they said, let's just make this one, you know, one whole thing. And Frankenstein it to make it, 
yeah, to make it ma- to make it matter, let's shove uh, let's shove Superman's origin story, which I agree. I mean, that was the best story element, even though the uh, <laughs> it, it had a very fascinating the relationship between uh, Jor El and, and Lara was very. I don't know if it was uh, great. <laughs> she, he kind of he kind of um bossed her around in a kind of demeaning way in my opinion i don't know i think it's that that cycle of abuse that we see within the super friends the council is dickish to jor-el and so he takes it out on laura it's it's a tragic but uh all too yeah. common cycle of abuse i i'm i'm also checking so um shannon farnan uh, the voice of Wonder Woman, I believe she might be one of the only female voice actors besides Sherry Alberoni, uh, who does the voice of Wendy in the uh, episode. I'm, I'm wonder. I can't think I, of. I believe they are the only ones. I can't think of any other woman's voice. There was Mrs. Cadwallader, who was the lady who had the giant diamond at the circus. Uh, and then the other scientist whose name now escapes me on the council. Oh, yes. the I was distracted by the fact that the head of the science council was named Cato. Yeah. Wow, Shannon Farnan is still alive, I think. Well, I imagine it's just like her and uh, and Frank Welker left over from this show. Yeah, so, yeah, Wonder Woman, Lara, Martha Kent, um, just ev- just everything. She does the voice of a... She was in Doctor Who and did the voice of something called Mavis. So I apologize if, if anyone's a Doctor Who fan and knows what that is, because I don't. I stopped watching a little bit. Yeah, I assume Mavis from Mavis Beacon teaches typing. Yeah, it's that. Wait, never mind. Hold on, because that we have to make sure this is accurate. So... Surge, oh no, it's a fan movie called Surge of Power. Did you have the the rumor in middle school that if you drank Surge, the yellow dye number five within it would shrink either your penis or testicles, depending on who you asked? I I am familiar with that. I don't think anyone told me me that as a legend, but, you know, I I can recall people talking about that. It It was a big deal, it struck. Did it affect your penis? I never had surge because I didn't want to didn't want to tempt fate. You didn't want to chance it. Didn't want to chance it. That's fair enough. I didn't have it because I don't like soda. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we're not going to recap the way that uh, Superman's planet was exploded, but it had to do with uh, some pretty uppity scientists, and it was a fun little detour to see his his origin story. Um, it was I also did fascinating. Really enjoy. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it was also fascinating to learn that the Kents actually attempted to turn Superman over to the authorities. But in in actuality, he was just s- such a hassle that they decide to forego any kind of protocol and give him back. This baby is a nuisance and possibly dangerous. Let's give him back to that old couple. Yeah, he's just... Such such an annoyance to mess with that we're not even going to contact the military. That's uh, pretty negligent, but it's good that they did it. It seemed to me that Marvin told enough of Superman's origin story that Dr. LeBon and Wilbur could have very easily figured out that Superman is Clark Kent. Yeah, they know that there was some kind of disturbance, and they know that it happened in... I don't remember if they give a state, but, you know, all they need to do is check adoption records. Yeah. Certainly, certainly they could track him down. Now, that's another thing to point out. Why did Superman decide to go to the circus as Clark Kent and not as Superman? Because he was interviewing Mrs. Cadwallader, and so that way he could keep a secret eye on the diamond, presumably to not tip the Justice League's hand, except... He also brought Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. To me, if they are known entities in the world, which they seem to be, uh, it would risk his secret identity to be seen with them as Clark Kent. That would be a good reason 
if he applied that logic in a lot of other instances, which he doesn't. Yeah. We can count on, on one hand, the times that we've seen him as Clark Kent. So maybe he's just wising up. Either way, that was that came out of, of nowhere to me. Yeah. So ultimately, uh, I, I guess we can we can pretty much wrap this up. Yeah, not a lot happens in this episode. And and I will also point out that I w- you know I thought a couple episodes ago was the most useless that Wonder Dog has ever been. Uh, this is a, a contender for that as well. They have stopped giving him plot points. Period. He is simply a um, a sound effect that happens sometimes. Yeah, they even phoned in the dog charades that appeared earlier on. Yeah, he, I, you know, he I barely noticed it. He mined a roller coaster it. and they got it immediately. I barely noticed it. Yeah, exactly. As we said, we have learned that Dr. LeBon was was being tricked, but they, they're not concerned. Uh, the, the Justice League are not concerned with Dr. LeBon's plan being foiled. They're solely concerned about diamonds being returned to uh, to people, and it it it's always fascinating because the the um whenever someone has a plan like this to help humanity, it seems as though the entire plan gets just scrapped. Like they just yeah. say, "Oh well, this will this will never work." Well, there's still technology that can be used to divide an entire plan you know this is this entire technology do we just throw it in the garbage well here's the thing based on what we have seen in the show thus far in in this first season superman has the power to just do all of that himself (laughs) that's true break that planet in half and bring it over done a collection of super friends just reversed climate change on an alien planet once just by working real hard for a cup for a couple of hours yeah he's choosing he's choosing not to do that on earth i think probably because trouble alert told him not to i don't think you're wrong i think that trouble alert he views trouble alert as essentially his parents and he will, fo- you know, he will, or, you know, his God, and he will follow yeah. whatever it says. And if it does not want him to fix climate change, then he won't do it. I don't, I don't really know what Trouble Earth's end game is, uh, other than exerting control. But yeah. it could be the idea that in its quest for order, it wants to keep humanity in line. But it also wants to wipe them out. So I feel like keeping humanity in order is the short-term goal. Wiping them out is yeah. the long-term goal. And it's sort of working both angles here. It, I think it needs humanity to set up whatever kind of infrastructure it needs. But eventually will want them eradicated. Yeah. Because humans are too unpredictable. And if it's going for order, it it needs to eventually get rid of them. Yeah. I think we're on to something. But more important than that is uh Wonder Dog's fat shaming. Uh yeah. they Wendy um makes it clear that uh Wonder Dog is putting on weight and that he's gonna go on a diet. And uh this is the most passionate wendy has been in this entire episode which is oh yeah she's furious she's furious that he would that wonder dog would break his uh, a diet that she imposed on him yeah and to be clear wonder dog looks the exact same he has always looked so she is i think trying to uh, get him to experience some kind of body dysmorphia i think i think she just wants to exert power over him uh, because she's a fundamentally cruel and manipulative person. Yeah. Her resentment, I mean, she she's solely fueled by resentment now. And she, you know, any anyone that she can have some modicum of power over, 
she's going to do it. And that now includes Wonder Dog and making him, th- you know, making him think that he's overweight. And then also making the idea, you know, of someone being overweight the worst thing that someone can be. Even worse the than... The absolute worst. And, and I believe that's even happened in, in previous episodes... I believe oh, yeah. she has fat shamed people. Like this yes, seems I... to very specifically be a Wendy character trait. Uh, you know, being uh, oh, that's right. It was in the the Professor Goodfellow's Geek episode where she and Robin fat shame the the uh, guy who owns the gas station. <laughs> So, so I think yeah. I think she really has a, a thing about uh, about weight, which who knows? Maybe it's a cyclical thing. You know, maybe someone abused her, and she's letting that out on gas station attendants. <laughs> but either way, you know, we need to be breaking the cycle, not continuing the cycle, which they and the super friends are supporting and perpetrating on their own yeah look i mean we it's well documented it's a toxic group of people when they are all together so michael let's uh let's wrap this up how would you how would you end this in the first act um if you if you could what i would do is unplug the trouble alert and just let Wilbur have those diamonds, because he got them from rich people, and no one was ever in any real danger. So unplug yeah. the trouble and let the super friends handle, you know, actual crises. So yeah, unplug the trouble alert, episode's over. So this is what I would, I, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. This is how I would wrap it up. What happens is that he has... The the doctor Doctor Laban has close to all the diamonds he needs when he goes in his spaceship and flies to go basically look at Cygnus Uno and investigate it. I think, and that yeah. you know, at that point, Wendy and Marvin are on the UFO and it's a big problem. I think what he should have done is not that he should not go. He should wait. I think that if he got the last diamond, he would have evaded them. Then he would get in his UFO, go, split the planet, bring the half the planet over, have it cause a terrible, uh, you know, irreversible apocalyptic uh, effects and put everyone out of their misery. Um, I say start that apocalypse you know, let Wilbur have his few seconds left with his precious diamonds. Everyone dies except for Superman. Um, and he, and he, he say, he saves the troubler, um, yeah. as his mistress. Yeah. And yeah, the troubler gets exactly what it's always wanted. Yeah. <sighs> so ratings, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll start. My rating for this episode is, um, I think it is going to be one out of three Cupid dolls, and that is because Cupid dolls are uh, creepy, and yep. um, well, in that sense, maybe I should give it more because it's the opposite. <laughs> no. I'll say I'll say QB dolls are good. So one out of three QB sure. dolls, it's um not it's not good. Um I like the little succinct I, I like that this madness was a vessel for a compact origin story for Superman that was interesting to watch. Which I, I, and also to point out, this was Marvin's account. Of Superman's origin story. So who knows how accurate it is. It's true. But uh, I will say that I give it one out of three Cupid dolls. All right. 
looking at the episode as a whole, like we discussed, it feels like multiple ideas kind of just jammed together. Um, like you, I enjoyed the the Superman origin story. I think, I think in a lot of ways, Casey Kasem's performance as Jor-El is some of his best work. Really, I think he's really sort of he's really leaning into the drama of the whole thing there. So I can, I appreciate that. You're getting all the the highlights of the Superman origin story, Krypton, Kent's finding him, good stuff. Otherwise, the other two-thirds to three-fourths of this episode are a goddamn mess. Uh, You set up this threat that turns out to not be a threat, so it's really just about stealing diamonds from rich people, which seems, again, way below the purview of the Justice League. No one's ever in danger. Did Wonder Woman have any dialogue? Yeah, she said that she was uh, gonna... uh, she, She volunteered to take Aquaman to the middle of the ocean. But very little. Very little. I mean, they had to leave room for Robin's hilarious jokes, so they had to they had to cut some people's dialogue down. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, with all of that, because, yeah, oh, yeah, and, you know, the, the end with the, the fat shaming kind of brings it down as well. Um... All of that put together, I'm going to say I give this five decoy balloons out of 73. Five out of 73 decoys. Wow. It's, this is, this episode is. I think this might be your lowest rating nuts. ever. I think it might be because again, why are this? Why is the Justice League involved at any point? Yeah, there's no reason. The, the, there's no reason. All they are doing is protecting the interests of the wealthy, and, and you know that actually makes me think that maybe, maybe Batman programmed Trouble Alert. He's looking out for his own interests as a noted rich guy. It's possible. I, you know, I, I feel like it's too, it, it's almost too easy. Like, you know, there, there's the, the sort of like demonization of Superman is popular and like, you know, I, I don't think it's either of them. I think it's another shadowy force. I don't think it's Wilcox. It's, but it's something else. Yeah. Could it be Wonder Dog? You know what? It could be. Maybe maybe Wendy fat shamed him one too many times and she's like I he's like, I'm I'm taking you all out now. And he's hacking could he be hacking the troubler? I think it's possible. He he's the he's the he's the character whose capabilities we know the least about, I think. He the first episode he or was it Marvin had an actual superpower that we never saw again. That that was that was Marvin. Okay. Or he could fly a little bit in the first episode. So I mean, could it be Marvin that's hacking the trouble alert? It, you know, is it a I Jar just, Jar Binks situation? I I I think I think Marvin is every bit as stupid as we believe him to be. I don't I don't think he's capable of that. Well, maybe we'll find out more information next episode. What? Uh, well, and actually, know- I, I I was going to ask about your predictions for next episode because the next episode, The Waterman, season one, episode sixteen, is the is the last episode of the first season of the Super Friends, and as such, is also the last episode to feature Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Hmm. And so. Do you think we will see their deaths or any sort of other explanation as to why they will no longer be in the series in this episode next week? We can only hope for that. I I think, I mean, my prediction for what this episode is, is uh, there are men that remove water from the earth because, you know, there's yeah. been multiple t- attempts to try to 
kill everyone and, and they've been unsuccessful and I think that they're going to go after water. Yeah. That's my prediction of what it is. Will we see Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog die? Like, will we see their actual deaths? I I certainly hope so. You know, I'm not holding out any hope. My hopes have been dashed many times before by this television show. What do you, what do you predict? I do think there's a small chance we just see them drown. It's the watermen. Maybe maybe they run afoul of these watermen and drown. And and maybe the episode ends with the the Justice League realizing the their their group toxicity and uh pledging to become better in the wake of mm. the junior super friends deaths so you think you think that the watermen are just some men that drown <laughs> are paid to drown Winnie Marvin a wonder dog and the entire 45 minute episode is them kind of coming to terms with you know they they don't necessarily have sorrow for for what has happened they don't miss them but their absence makes them have a kind of you know realization that makes that yeah. makes them the better for it yeah i think so i think so i think i think obviously wendy marvin wonder dog will die but their sacrifice won't be in vain i think i think the justice league becomes you know, a friendlier group. Both because of what they realize and because the most toxic person of all, Wendy, uh, is dead and thus cannot be there to fat shame anyone or be just generally cruel. According to IMDb, the season finale is summarized thus. A strange spacecraft has been forced to land on Earth after a meteor hit the fuel tank of the craft. The craft, in an attempt to return to the planet Sagittarius, begins gathering silicon from seawater to fuel their ship. However, extracting the silicon causes a red tide and famine among ocean creatures. One, they use the word craft way too many times there, and two, I don't know what a red tide is. I'm eager to learn, though. Think it has to do with plankton. Well, that's disappointing. But listeners, if you have other theories on what else happens in this, um, I want you to leave a a comment. And by that, I mean write a comment on a piece of paper, and I want you to fold it up and put it inside an envelope and address that envelope accordingly, because leaving an internet comment is bad. Uh, It is nothing, nothing nothing beats the good old-fashioned letter and if you leave a comment what you're saying is that you you uh don't you you despise someone and that you you don't think all you think of them is a series of ones and zeros and if you truly if you truly want to show someone that you care what they think you'll take the time to write your comment on a goddamn piece of paper fold it up, put right an address on there. Hey, maybe even give a couple of stamp, give a stamp or two and put that bad boy in the mailbox. Yeah. I would say to be safe, five stamps, five stamps Minimum. because you know, there's, there's 50, 50 States in the union. So if you, if that's 10, for every ten states gets a stamp, that should that should check out. Yeah, I, I think I think that math that math adds up. And again, if if you don't go through this kind of trouble to tell us your thoughts, you're you're lazy. You're lazy if you if you think, uh, oh, you know what? I'll just I'll just do this electronically. That's that's just not that's not the normal friends way. It's not the super friends way. Yeah. It's it's despicable. You know these these things matter. Yeah, it's despicable. And if you do that, if you leave a comment, this. shame, shame on you. And and may that shame follow you 
for the remainder of your days. Uh, may you may you wander the the hinterlands of shame until you die alone in a hovel somewhere. That was very well put. Till next week. Thank you. Or not week. Till next the week. next time. <laughs>